This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. You're listening to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. Now, here's your host, Faraz Sadiqi and Zach Rizzuto. This is all about my guys. Okay, Steve came on to bring us his my guys. Zach has his. I have mine. You probably can guess mine at this point. You know, if you guys yeah. are listening to the podcast, <laughs> you guys can probably have a pretty good guess, um, you know, who my guys are. Wide receiver might be a little uh, interesting. You guys might not have guessed that one. But um, I try not to, you know, choose super obvious ones. But at the same time, like, you know, I'm kind of – there are certain guys that I picked, and I'm just like, man, I'm just – I'm also hopeful you know, for a couple of these guys too. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But that's where we, that's where we came uh, to this episode with, uh, you know, who are the guys that we're trusting and we're riding in to 2020, the 2023 season with, um, you know, as guys who could potentially blow up this year, right? So yeah. uh, without further ado, Steve, can you kick it off with your quarterback? Yeah, and as I'm looking at my list, I realize I think I'm the uh, the oldest in the room here. And I just looked at my list and maybe I'm just siding with some of the older players in the league, but my list is a little bit on the older side. So I don't know if that's good or bad. I know we all like rookies and we like young players, but, but I got a couple of older guys. Um, so my quarterback that I went with is uh, Seattle Seahawks quarterback, Geno Smith. And partly the reason I picked him as my guy is I just find myself, I don't know about you guys. I don't know what your strategy is, but I tend to like to try to get that late round quarterback. I think it's kind of a challenge for me to see if I can pick those guys because I think I don't want to pass up on the running back and wide receiver value early in drafts. And on that that onesie position, I want to see if I can hit on a guy later. Um, so the thing's going for Geno Smith, uh, if you want a late-round QB option. Uh, highest completion percentage with quarterbacks with at least 100 targets last year. Get a 70% completion percentage. Uh, and it wasn't just dink and dunk. You know, It was really only the, the big three were the only quarterbacks that really had a higher yards per attempt than Geno. So he's not only completing a lot of passes, he's completing them all over the field. Um, he's got sneaky rushing ability. He was eighth in total rushing yards last year. So he's given you about two points per game for rushing, kind of like what Patrick Mahomes does. Um, Seattle was a top 10 offense last year. I don't see that changing, especially with their, their weapons that he's got. We know about DK Metcalf. We know about Tyler Lockett. Um, the addition of first rounder JSN, I think just makes it that much more dynamic and explosive of an offense. I love the addition of Zach Charbonnet, uh, not only just as a running back and for this rushing attack, but also him as a receiver out of the backfield. And then 
I don't think this tight end core is horrible. I think Noah Fant could still be a decent tight end. I could see him uh, performing well, maybe not as like your tight end, but as a tight end for Geno, I think he could do well. And Will Disley and Colby Parkinson, I think they're decent as well. A um, couple more points. Seattle has one of the easiest schedules this season. You know, according to Pro Football Focus, they have the easiest schedule coming up. Um, and especially early in the year, their early season schedule. Now, I think Geno's the perfect target for if you want to draft and then trade after like the first month of the season. Here's the game. Here's the teams that uh, he starts out against Detroit, the Rams, the Panthers, and the Giants. Now, he played all of these teams last year. And in those games, he scored 32 points, 19, 24, 23, and 16 points. He was a QB1 or and a high end QB1 in all of those games. So, there's just a lot lining up for Geno. Um, like I said, uh, I like to try to take that late round quarterback. And so, yeah, he's uh, he's a my guy. He's not only going late. He's going like really late. You know, 118. He's not, yeah. yeah, he's not going in. You know, you, you look at that Dak Prescott, um, Daniel Jones range, right? Tua. Right, those are the guys in Kirk that Cousins, range, and yeah. typically Kirk Cousins, and you know even Aaron Rodgers a little bit right after that. But like Aaron Rodgers and Geno have kind of been in a similar tier later on, and Geno has been kind of the guy you can get later, right? And oh yeah, and then once once Geno's off the board, then you're looking at maybe um, you're probably looking at Jared Goff at that point, right? So it's like yeah. Geno is somebody you can get really late, um, and you know if you it, you know the fact that he his numbers. I don't think it was a fluke, man. Like last year, I, I think I think he was actually a good quarterback. Um, and remember, yeah. he was drafted high. The Jets ruined him, and now he's <laughs> in a situation where you know he he could he could do his thing. Uh, and you mentioned the JSN addition, man. I think that's huge. It's um, huge f- for him, you know. And he already had really good weapons, and now he has another one. And he's already practicing, you know, despite yeah. him right. having that 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 surgery very recently. So I love it. I love it. Yeah, Zach, I just sorry. Yeah, ahead, was the last thing I was going to say, I just. It, what I kept finding myself, I know you do a ton of mocks. I need to do a, pun, a ton of best ball drafts. I keep doing this thing where I see like Trevor Lawrence, you know, pick 50. And I see Tua going, you know, where's he yeah. going? Like somewhere around 80 or something. And then I see Gino at 118. And I'm like, I just can't justify taking those guys so much earlier. Agreed. Them, because so. they don't offer any sort of positional advantage, most likely. Yeah. Right. Like, obviously, you know, is there a, a, a world where Trevor Lawrence takes this huge step forward? Yeah, I think so. And like he throws sure. like 40 touchdowns this year. Yeah, I think that's possible. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like how much of a positional advantage is he really going to give you? Yes, he has a little bit of rushing rushing upside, rushing sneaky rushing upside as well. But, you know, the the guys that you're going to be passing up for taking Trevor Lawrence that early, you know, might as well. I'd rather just combine, you know, running back a wide receiver that you take at that spot, you know, with someone like Gino. I think that will give you a better advantage, you know, moving forward. For sure. Yeah, and I'm just going to hop on the train here real quick before I move on with Geno Smith. I actually put him in my third tier of rankings as one of the high upside targets in the same yeah. tier as my my guy at quarterback. I'll get to him in a minute. But Geno Smith, you look at the weapons that he had, what he did last season was just awesome. I think he was QB8 in points per game, mm-hmm. and he had DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, the JSN. And I was going to comment, Steve, like you were one of the first people that I've actually talked to that were happy about Zach Charbonnet being added to the backfield. <laughs> Not necessarily for Geno's sake, but I just found that interesting because like when Zach Charbonnet went there, I was like, well, there goes Kenneth Walker. Like he's not going to be able to do oh, it Only it's, for it's this upsetting. Gino argument was I happy yeah. about it. I I, right. I cried a little bit when he actually got drafted there, but that's a different for <laughs> different reasons. Lot, yeah, 
I think a lot of people did too. But yeah, I mean, you can't even rule him out either. Like you mentioned, if he gets work in the passing game, that's awesome. Like the quarterback's going to benefit 10 times out of 10 from a running back doing his thing after the catch. Charbonnet can be that guy. So I like that pick. You know, you talk about the value that he has. I agree. Like the fact that he's going so late, it's the name value. He's still being dragged down because people think he's a flash in the pan. And that's yep. probably not and, the case. It's going to be hard for him to do that on this offense. To and be that's a flash in the pan. And that's the risk. You know, the risk is he's only done it once. And, you know, if you want to throw another risk in there, the offensive line's not very good in Seattle, but they've never really had a good offensive line. So, right. Yeah. They've been able to get it done. But this year, though, this year, they're going to have a good offensive line, guys. And that's another point, right? I think their offensive line is improving. Um, and I think at the end of the day, you're going to see, like, oh, wait, this is, this is a top 10 offensive line in the NFL. I think it's very possible. So, Another reason why I think I think you're on the money with this, dude. Zach, yeah. who, who you got at QB, man? All right. So I know that we were just talking about how Geno Smith is the value. You know, it's like you mentioned my guy when you're talking about comparative value. You said about Trevor Lawrence going real high. My guy is Tua. You know, I think he is going a little bit high, you know, when you compare him to Geno Smith, of course. But I think when you look at the upside that he has, I think he's going pretty low. I think he's a bit of a value here. I mean, you mentioned about the yards per attempt, Geno Smith, you know, having that high yards per attempt. You know who had the highest yards per attempt? That was Tua. He had mm -hmm. 8.87 yards per attempt. And he was the only QB to throw for 25-plus touchdowns last year on less than 16 starts. That was in 13 starts. And it makes sense because he has Tyreek Hill. He has Jalen Waddle. Like, those are two fantastic weapons that you're not just going to – they're not going to go away. They're going to be producing every week any quarterback that's enjoying those two weapons, just like Geno did – with Metcalf and Lockett, Tua's going to be doing the same thing this year. I think he can really benefit from that. Um, they don't realize, people don't really realize the type of year that Tua had because of the timing of his injuries. You can just throw some numbers out there. You know, he threw for those 25 touchdowns I mentioned, but he's also, also the QB, he finished as a QB1 in fantasy points per game at 18.5 points per game. And that's including those ga games where he left early with those concussions. Now I know. He missed a lot of games with concussions, you know, those injuries. He was leaving early. But if you take out those two games where he left early and he stayed in when he shouldn't have, his numbers changed drastically. In week four, you remember, he left the game early, played just 39% of snaps. He had 2.4 points per game, 2.4 points that game. So that's going to pull his numbers down drastically. And then also in week 16, if you remember that game against Green Bay, he came out red hot and then suddenly he just couldn't stop throwing picks and then came out later on that he – was, might have been playing through a concussion there. You know, I'm going to give him a mulligan on that one. If he has a concussion, he's playing through it. I think it makes sense. You know, we see him throw three picks. That's going to affect the way he plays. He ended up having just 8.4 points that game. You take those two games out, a healthy Tua Tagovailoa jumps from the QB 10 overall in fantasy points per game to the QB 5, 18.5 points to 21.3 points per game. And that's top five quarterback play you're getting from him when he's healthy. He has Tyreek Hill. He has Jalen Waddle. Tyreek Hill is going to be chasing 2,000 yards this season. It's going to have to go through Tua. I got a bunch of stock in him, you know, right now in the eighth and ninth round of drafts. If you're not, you don't want to wait that long to take a, a Geno Smith, but you also don't want to fight on Trevor Lawrence at a higher ADP. I think Tua is really, really a good investment. The upside that he has is ridiculous. And people don't see it, just like I said, because if you look at the stats just as they are, it looks like he's like just this mid quarterback. You know, he's not going to be this high upside guy, but the offense he's in, the weapons he has, you can't deny it. And I think that he can have top five upside, like I just laid out. And to get him as a QB 10 off the board, which I think is where he's going right now, 
I think that's a pretty good value. I think I've been targeting him a lot. I think that other people, if they haven't, you know, might want to consider it. It's an interesting, you know, dynamic between not like the talent that a quarterback has and the weapons that they have and how much the, those weapons are going to prop up these quarterbacks. Right. right. Um, and I think in Tua's case, I think a lot of people would agree that, you know, these weapons are, are really what's propping him up. Right. But also he is, you know, playing with a mastermind of an off- offensive guy, right. And his head coach, right. Right. Um, he is somebody who will dial up the right plays for Tua. He has a lot of confidence in Tua. He's been very, very outspoken about uh, his love for Tua and what he in him believing in Tua. So I do think that, you know, I think about things like, all right, what if Tyreek gets hurt? What if Waddle gets hurt? Uh, one of one of those guys. Like, is Tua going to be putting up those numbers? At the end of the day, I I kind of think that there isn't going to be as drastic of a fallout uh, for Tua if that were to happen because of the fact that they have Mike McDaniel at the helm calling the right plays for him. Right. And they do have a couple of other weapons that they could plug in, um, you know, to help out. Right. They drafted, you know, a running back. They were going to get Jonathan Taylor potentially, um, you know, if the Colts weren't asking for Jalen Waddle back, um, I saw that. You know, that was, that was, I, I missed that. I, I didn't realize there, that there, that was, that a, was... there was a report that, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> the Colts were asking laugh. for picks and Jalen Waddle. Uh, oh man, and Jonathan Taylor. Um, yeah. So, anyway, um, it's such a funny situation. Uh, and by the day. way, guys, like you guys are probably wondering why we're not hitting on this yet. Uh, that's because we're we're just not going to in this episode. Uh, we're, we're I'm I'm recording another episode like literally right after this. That's going to be released as well as a separate episode. I'll go through all preseason stuff. I'll go over all that. So anyway. But going back to Tua, you know, I do think that, you know, Devon A-Chain is there. I think he'll eventually move up to near the top of the depth chart. He'll be involved in the receiving game as well. So he's a, another dynamic piece as well for Tua. So I personally haven't been targeting a whole lot of Tua. I don't know if you have, Steve. Um, but, you know, there is no doubt that, you know, at the end of the day, like the, for the people who do end up grabbing Tua, is most likely he is going to be a top 12 fantasy quarterback at the end of the day. Well, and I'll say this too. I, I do like Tua. I like him similarly to Gino and Daniel Jones and some of these other guys. For me, it's just kind of more where he's going. Um, he is kind of though, I will say, in the area he's going of the draft, there's not a ton of guys that I'm like definitely want to draft over him. You know, like right ahead of him, there's Dak Prescott. I, I'd rather have Tua this season, I think, than Dak. Um, Jahan Dotson. Marquise Brown, some of these guys. Now, I do like some of the rookies like Jordan Addison and JSN that are going in his range, but that's just, we don't know if those guys will be there. So it is kind of like a a little bit of a lull in the draft where I don't mind taking him just because um, it just kind of depends on who's there. But I do think he, I agree with everything Zach said as, as far as his upside. He was a completely different quarterback before the concussion started to have an effect on him. I mean, he put up one of the highest performance he's through six touchdown passes in a game you know yeah that's the kind of ceiling he can provide exactly all right i'm gonna hit my quarterback now guys why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them with royal caribbean you don't just go to the beach you visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in north america you don't just go for a road trip you atv and zip line through the jungle you don't just go somewhere new 
You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. And that's Sam Howell. And now I, I, I get, I, everyone's like, oh my God, Faraz. Like, what are you talking about? Um, now, don't draft Sam Howell to be your QB1. Okay? Like, don't do that. That's not smart. I wouldn't do it. But he's going, he's probably like, I think he's the 25th quarterback off the board in, in most leagues. And this is really going to help out people who are in super flex leagues into quarterback leagues. I think if you really, really, really wanted to wait on quarterback for your QB2, I think you can get away with Sam Howell as your QB2 or as your super flex starter this year and not just him being your QB3. Now, in an ideal scenario, I wouldn't want to wait to do that. I would want to grab my QB2, uh, you know, well ahead of that, you know, get a top 15 quarterback as my QB2 and then grab Sam Howell later on as my QB3, right? In those situations, you can potentially have Sam Howell really, and I'll tell you why I like Sam Howell, but just from a strategy perspective, into quarterback leagues, in super flex leagues, quarterbacks are so, so valuable, right? If you grab that third quarterback and he ends up being a top 15 quarterback, you just got a you just have a huge advantage, right? Not only because you can potentially start that quarterback, but also because the trade value is tremendous. Right, you can get Sam Howell. You could potentially either start him over your second quarterback if he's if he ends up being better than that player, or you can package Sam Howell, get another quarterback back potentially your QB three, maybe is in an, an inferior quarterback to Sam Howell at some point in the season before your trade deadline, and also get back a running back, a wide receiver to help fill in you know your flex spot or upgrade somewhere, right? That's how I'm looking at it, right? Because in in those type of leagues, I'm looking for those late quarterbacks who could potentially take a step forward. Now, him and Kenny Pickett, you know, are going pretty similarly, you know, next to each other, right? It looks like Kenny Pickett is also in line to potentially take a big jump this year, right? No one's drafting him as their QB1, but we all understand that Kenny Pickett could take a step forward and could potentially be a top 12 quarterback this year. That That is not out of the realm of possibility. And I feel the same way about Sam Howell. I think more people like Kenny Pickett to potentially make that jump. But I think Sam Howell is right there uh, in that bucket. And for me, I look at what Howell did at North Carolina before he lost his weapons, right? What he was forced to do when he did lose his weapons, and that was run the ball. The dude had more than 800 rushing yards in his last season, right? He has that sneaky rushing ability, even if he doesn't have to run, right? That's number one. That's going to help. Number two, he has a talent, right? We, 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 we saw a glimpse of it at the end of last year when he got his start. Uh, he used his weapons, right? I, I, I've been very intrigued with this situation since Eric Bieniemy came over to help, you know, help him take that next step in his second year. Um, he was drafted way too low in the NFL draft. I think, he also has the weapons to elevate him when he, where he needs it, right? He has Terry McLaurin. Now, McLaurin has the turf toe injury, so that's not great, right? And I have a little bit more hesitation for Howell because of that. But apparently, McLaurin can be fine a few weeks into the season, according to some injury experts. So hoping that is the case, right? And he has Jahan Dotson, who seems to be blooming into a potential high-end wide receiver, you know? And you can't forget about Curtis Samuel, who's also a legit weapon out of the slot. Cole Turner... Their young tight end is flashing. He has Antonio Gibson on the backfield, and Biennium's system is going to help 
right? Now, this is a long shot, obviously, for him to potentially be a QB1, right? Top 12 quarterback for fantasy this year. And, and I could have gone with someone like Lamar Jackson, who I absolutely love this year. If I'm picking a high-end quarterback as my guy this year, it's probably Lamar, right? Who you can draft as your QB4 or QB5, who, who has serious, you know, overall QB1 upside once again. Um, especially in the offense he's, he's going to play. But I wanted to go with someone who I think can make a big leap this year. And at the end of the year, he could potentially be a fringe QB1 fantasy option. I wouldn't be surprised. So you're speaking my language now because this is why people should be in multiple leagues. I think you need at least one league. I know you just said I wouldn't take him as my QB1. I think you need one like YOLO league, you know, where <laughs> yeah. you just – you don't even take one. And then you, with your last pick, you take Sam Howell. Um, I'm actually working on some content of like, who do I want to take with my last pick in my draft? You know, and Sam Howell is a guy I've been thinking about. You're, you're absolutely right with his rushing ability at North Carolina. And I can't speak as well to this, but Jesse, who does the, he's my college guy that does the podcast with me. I know he had mentioned how the offense changed that last year for Sam Howell. And they actually let him, you know, do more with his legs. And, he had a much better rushing season than we ever saw the quarterback. I'm going to compare him to Daniel Jones. I don't see how he couldn't be last year's version of Daniel Jones, you know, rush for a little over, you know, between five and 700 rushing yards, yeah. uh, 3000 passing yards, 15 touchdown passes. I don't think those are like huge marks to reach. And Daniel Jones was a top 10 quarterback last year. So right. I agree. Daniel with Jones didn't have the weapons, you know, that, that he has going in. He's just kind of yep. set up for success here. And I, I, I just think that he could take advantage of it. He has that. I feel like he has that type of pedigree, right? He has that ability. We've seen it in college. Yep. Uh, you know, if he just kind of, you know, we just saw too much of him. <laughs> you know, yeah. that's really what it was. And we saw a lot of him in in non-ideal situations towards the end of his college career. Uh, but, you know, he would have been a first-round pick if he was allowed to come out earlier, right? Freshman oh, yeah. year, sophomore year. Like, yeah. he, he looked good, you know? So, um, yeah. So it's, it's an interesting situation. Um, you know, it, it's funny hearing Ron Rivera talk about, oh, like, I wish I started him earlier. <laughs> Dude, this is your job, okay? Yeah. Like, yeah, no shit. You know, it, it's like, you know, Ron Rivera is just a funny head coach to me at this Th point. That's like, yeah. Ron Rivera seems like a coach that would be very likable, but he's frustrating for us that like to play fantasy football. I, yeah, because, I think as a human being, he's a very, yeah. very likable person. But then yeah, yeah. from uh, even a, not even just fantasy, dude, like just a NFL. Uh, no, I agree. Football is just like, dude, like there's so many questionable decisions. And, I, you know, I was talking to um, – uh, JP Finley, who's a, who's a uh, beat reporter for Washington for NBC, and he, you know he kind of said the similar. He had a similar sentiment in terms of like, you know, sometimes there are little like local storylines that doesn't need to be national, right? And then Ron Rivera says it in this press conference, like brings it up, and like like the media is like, oh really? And they start writing stuff down, and they you know it becomes a national story, like uh, you know about Eric Bieniemy you know, potentially rubbing players the wrong way and that sort of thing. That wasn't a story until until Ron Rivera mentioned it on the national spotlight, you know, and then, right. and then they, you know, reporters ran away with it. So anyway, yeah. I digress. Yeah. Well, the thing <laughs> that you also, that, sorry, go ahead, Jack. I was going to say, you also consider, remember last year when he said, really, we're out of the playoff contention, like during week 17, <laughs> he's like, and then people were going back, like, and then he comes back and he says, oh, well, I really wish I would have started a howl earlier. Like, what were you doing then? You know, maybe he didn't even realize they're out of contention. He's like, oh, I'll just put Howell in when everything's on the line. And he had 
I forgot it was it was Heineke at that point, right? Yeah, that he probably. had in is just like he's a likable guy. I like him. You know, Riverboat Ron. He has a good story too. It's just it's a lot of confusing things that he does, and I'm not concerned about that for Howell, but it is just funny to note because he he's just an interesting head. Coach. I mean, Eric B is basically in line, I think, right, to be the yeah. head coach. It's just step it's up. I kind of feel yeah. like that's why he went there. Uh, part of the reason why he went there, right? Because he knows that he can be the successor there. Yeah, he just the, the thing that worries me about Ron is he's a guy that the team will have four wins, you know, or five wins or something, and he'll be like putting Jacoby Brissett in. And it's like <laughs> we know what Jacoby Brissett is. We know he's not exactly. your future. Like I just worry that will he give Sam Howell like 17 starts is 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 the the biggest risk that I I see. I, I I I can understand that. Twenty four hundred sports is an Odyssey company. 